Hello, hello, hello. This is Monica, and this is Remembering a Misremembered. Music fans were shocked on November 10th, 2006, when word began to spread that Gerald Levert, G-Bear, the quintessence of modern soul, had passed away. It was so unexpected, so shocking, so sad. In his lifetime, the 40-year-old was not regarded as a tragic figure by any means, so when the official story came out, it left fans scratching their heads as they wiped the tears from their eyes. So what happened? Gerald Edward Levert was born on July 13, 1966, to Martha and Eddie Levert Sr. in Canton, Ohio. Gerald grew up in a mansion in Shaker Heights, Ohio, known to family and friends as the Big House. He had two brothers, Sean and Eddie Jr., and a sister named Candace. Gerald's father, Eddie Levert Sr., was a prominent member of the soulful singing group, the OJs. Gerald was inspired at an early age to follow in his father's soul-singing footsteps. At some point, Gerald's parents split up, and he mentioned that he did blame his father for the destruction of that marriage. Eddie eventually remarried and started another family. Eddie was on the road all the time while Martha was the reliable stay-at-home parent. She was also the religious figure in Gerald's life, the committed Jehovah's Witness. Gerald and his brothers would go into the basement and perform, pretending to be the OJs, singing backstabbers or singing little songs that Gerald made up, and he couldn't have been more than six or seven. Like many entertainers, Eddie LaVert claimed not to want his kids in show business, yet he couldn't resist buying them musical equipment and taking them on the road with him so that they could see up close what the life of an entertainer was really like. Maybe he was hoping to discourage them. It didn't work if that was the case. By his teens, Gerald was really serious about entering the music business. He got together with his brother Sean and family friend Mark Gordon, who people believed was their cousin because of how close he was to the family. And they went about creating the OJs 2.0, calling themselves by the family name LaVert, like DeBarge or Van Halen, and expanding the family name into a musical brand. They started creating demos and giving them to Eddie. He consistently turned down the demos because at first, they simply were not up to par. If they expected Eddie's connections in the business to help them out, they needed to come correct. And they did eventually. They got it together while performing cover tunes in their live act. Eddie spent a whole year shopping their tapes around. And everybody he played their tapes for couldn't believe that these were Eddie's sons singing. They thought it was Eddie and or the OJs. Nobody would sign them because nobody saw the need for a new generation of OJs. So Eddie LaVert and his friend Harry Coombs created a record label called Tim Pree in order to put out Levert's first album, I Get Hot, with their first single, the extremely OJ-esque, I'm Still. Listeners were very impressed with Gerald's stirring delivery. Still young and developing vocally, Gerald nevertheless displayed a robust emotional vocal delivery. It is very reminiscent of his father's sound, although his voice didn't yet possess the clarity and resonance we will hear from him later. The song made it to number 97, to number 70 on the R&B chart and got the industry and the public talking. The success of I'm Still opened the door for Levert's deal with Atlantic Records. Levert went on to score five number one singles, seven top 10 singles, and four top 20 singles. Pop, Pop, Pop Goes My Mind is the song that really put the group on the map in 1986, going straight to the top of the R&B charts. 
It was the single from their Atlantic Records debut release, Bloodline. Most of the songwriting duties were handled by Gerald and Mark Borden. Levert's live act was incredibly impressive. With their powerful vocals and energetic choreography, they could out-entertain many of their peers. The trio had personas. Sean was the fun party dude who could sing, Mark was the serious musician, and Gerald was the chip off the old block. So much like his father, Eddie, that it was almost scary. They were truly the OJs for the next generation. Mark and Gerald wrote and produced most of the songs for their next album, The Big Throwdown. In order to expand Levert's audience to New Jack Swing and Pop, Atlantic Records executives added Reggie Calloway to the production team. The song he came up with was Casanova. Released in June of 1987, it reached number five on the pop chart and number nine on the UK singles chart. Casanova made history as the first New Jack Swing song to reach number one on the Billboard Hot Black singles chart, topping it for two weeks. It was popularized by the Rebirth Brass Band, becoming a standard number for New Orleans brass bands. Casanova appears on the soundtrack album for the Whoopi Goldberg flick, Fatal Beauty, and was also featured in the Robert Downey Jr. Molly Ringwald film, The Pickup Artist. It was Grammy nominated. It was a huge hit for LaVert. Huge. Ultimate Chaos covered Casanova for their 1997 album, The Chaos Theory. Their next album was 1988's Just Coolin', with the single of the same name featuring Heavy D. That same year, Gerald recorded a duet with label mate Mickey Howard, That's What Love Is, an R&B top five hit. For Gerald, this was an early foray away from the group. The 1990 album Rope-A-Dope Style featured the hit single Baby I'm Ready. The album was certified gold on July 22, 1991, eight months after its release. ABC 123 and For All Seasons also became popular songs for the trio. LaVert was featured in the film New Jack City and contributed to its soundtrack. Gerald and Mark Gordon were now in-demand writer-producers, so they put together their own production company. They produced songs for Barry White, Men at Large, The Rude Boys, Anita Baker, Stephanie Mills, and James Ingram. 1991 is the year that Gerald released his first solo album, Private Line. The title track was his first single as a solo artist to top Billboard's R&B charts. In 1992, Gerald released Baby Hold On To Me, a duet with his father, Eddie, another number one R&B hit from their album, Father and Son. School Me, which is often compared to Babyface's Whip Appeal, was released next. It was yet another R&B hit. Gerald LeVert was riding high by anybody's standards except perhaps his own. He was beginning to feel frustrated and pigeonholed by his R&B singer status. He wanted to cross over. Casanova was the only LeVert song to cross over to the pop charts, nearly topping them. He wanted a solo equivalent, and once he had it, he wanted to maintain the devotion of the pop portion of his audience. Gerald had been told by industry higher-ups that he was too big of body and of voice to expect to cross over. He ended up teaming up with producer David Foster for a remake of the boy howdy country tune, She'd Give Anything. Gerald's version was entitled, I'd Give Anything. It was featured on his Groove On album. It reached number four R&B and number 28 pop. Gerald sang this song with his trademark power and conviction. It was the story of his life. He really did struggle in his romantic relationships. He had the blessing and the curse of having a mother who he saw as this untouchable angelic figure. That's the blessing. The curse was that he expected to find her in the other women that he dealt with. He wanted the stay-at-home, Jehovah's Witness type of woman in an era 
where even the most religious women were excelling in careers and getting away from submitting to a man. Many women were feeling like they could take or leave a man. Others were desperate gold diggers who only cared about being with him for his celebrity status. Gerald dated his label mate and duet partner Mickey Howard off and on for a few years. He was advised not to marry her. She was also committed to her career and she already had kids. Gerald didn't want a ready-made family. It's interesting to note that years later on one of his last albums, Do I Speak for the World, he had a song called So What If You Got a Baby? Interesting, too, is the fact that Gerald went on to have three kids with three different women, Carlesia, LaMica, and Cameron. According to Carlesia, she and LaMica were born just three days apart. It's doubtful that he could even take the time to find Miss Wright since he was so career-focused. His father said that Gerald didn't even have any hobbies. His hobbies were singing and producing music. In spite of it all, Gerald was not just a singer. To his fans, he was a sex symbol. Fans went crazy over his sweaty performances and suggestive choreography. He was known for humping the stage and the stairs of the stage and wiping his sweaty brow with teddy bears, driving fans into a frenzy. Remember, he was known as G-Bear because his fans saw him as a teddy bear type of man. Basically, he would do anything to please his audience, to give them their money's worth and then some. He had left behind his group of Levert, seemingly without so much as a backward glance, and teamed up with fellow modern soul singers Keith Sweat and Johnny Gill to form LSG, Levert, Sweat, and Gill. Their big hit was My Body from their 1997 album, Levert, Sweat, Gill. Gerald had dabbled in acting, too making two appearances on the Jamie Foxx show where he played a much younger man who romanced and married Jamie's mom. He also appeared in an episode of The Parkers with his one-time off-screen girlfriend, Monique. Everybody who knew Gerald personally says that he was just a nice guy who enjoyed helping people and paid the bills of many. His father, Eddie, said that Gerald couldn't stand injustice of any kind. He was angered by the way the industry disregarded him and even his father. He was angry on his behalf. He didn't think they got the recognition they deserved, nor did he feel that they got the publicity. He even felt that a little bit of scandal might liven things up. Was all of this at the heart of Gerald LaVert's arrest? On February 25, 2005, Gerald was driving one of two cars that stopped where another motorist had been pulled over for speeding at 12.45 a.m. People in both cars demanded to know why the driver had been stopped. They were told to leave but refused to. Police officer Lieutenant Wayne Drummond claimed that Gerald shoved him and that he pepper sprayed Gerald in order to subdue him. Gerald was cited on charges of driving under the influence and impeding the flow of traffic, and he was arrested on charges of obstructing official police business, resisting arrest, and assaulting a police officer. He was indicted despite a city prosecutor saying there wasn't enough evidence to sustain the charges, and I'm not sure what happened after that, if the charges were completely dropped or if he was simply fined. We know he didn't go to jail for any considerable amount of time. His career continued and people still looked at him as a good guy. This situation was almost humorous. This same year, Gerald injured his Achilles tendon and began to take medication for the pain. There was also insomnia that he was suffering from. Doctors started prescribing him more and more meds. He was one of music's last soul men and found himself going the way of other singers of his time taking a backseat as the industry became more focused on rap and auto-tune and moving away from romance and baby-making music. Gerald was seriously looking at the possibility of becoming a nostalgia act. 
He was also getting into reality TV where he would be shown losing weight along with 12 female fans. In the fall of 2006, Gerald and Eddie Levert traveled to South Africa for an engagement that included an audience with uh, Nelson Mandela. Gerald was bitten by an insect while there. Even though they traveled back to the States in cold weather, Gerald was feverish and sweating up a storm. He had shortness of breath. On November 10th, 2006, Gerald Levert died in his sleep. His cousin who lived with him discovered him dead when he hadn't awakened by a certain time. It was at first suspected that Gerald had just died of a garden variety heart attack. But medical examiners claimed that Gerald had pneumonia at the time of his death and that the 40-year-old's body was a pharmacy unto itself. Filled to the brim with Vicodin, Percocet, Darvocet, Xanax, and two antihistamines. All of these drugs were prescribed to him by doctors or a doctor. As I said before, fans were stunned. More than 13,000 people attended the celebration of Gerald Levert's life in downtown Cleveland. In lieu of flowers, the Levert family asked that donations be made to the R&B Foundation. Gerald Levert did a wonderful job of building on the musical legacy that started with his legendary father, Eddie. In the process, he put together a very powerful legacy of his own. He didn't try to run from being Eddie Levert's son. He wholeheartedly embraced it and let it be known that he was proud to be his son. Gerald's posthumous album was entitled In My Songs. In 2008, Gerald won the Grammy for Best Traditional R&B Performance. It was accepted by his mom, Martha, and his brother, Sean. He had previously been nominated as a member of Levert for Casanova, as a member of LSG for the album Levert Sweat Gill, and he shared a nomination with Carl Thomas, Shaka Khan, and Yolanda Adams for the song Everyday Family Reunion, which was featured on Tyler Perry's Medea's Family Reunion. However, heartache and tragedy were not finished with the Levert family, as Gerald's brother Sean passed away just 16 months after he did. Sean was in jail for non-payment of child support for three of his six kids. He owed about $90,000 in child support. He had already been sick while incarcerated at Cuyahoga County Correctional Facility before being transferred to a state prison. He had high blood pressure and was suffering from hallucinations. The coroner said that Sean LaVert's death was caused by complications due to sarcoidosis. I believe this is the same illness that killed Bernie Mac. Officially contributing factors to the death were high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, and withdrawal from Xanax. Sean was only 39, and I'm sure that he was still grieving over his brother as well. His widow was awarded $4 million in her lawsuit against Cuyahoga County. Gerald and Sean's mother, Martha, said that she coped with the deaths of two of her children by pretending that they were on tour. She passed in 2020. I don't know the official cause of her death, but I'm sure all this tragedy contributed greatly to her passing at 74. As for Gerald, his discography is rich and includes 13 hit singles with Levert, one hit with LSG, 31 singles as a solo, and six duets, including three with his father. We're not even mentioning the numerous songs that he wrote and produced for other artists. His career was well done. He co-wrote a book with his father called I Got Your Back, which was released after Gerald's passing and is a good one to read. Eddie Levert replaced his son in LSG in 2013. In an interview, Gerald talked about the impact that his father's vocals had on funk king Rick James. And listening to Rick James' vocals really lends credence to Gerald's observation. Anyway, that's Gerald Levert, the story of G-Bear 
shadow. He is very much missed. And, um, yeah. I'm Monica. This is Remembering the Misremembered. And I will see you soon.